AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060 and as always online at KDUS1060.com. Download the app. KDOS 1060 with your Apple phone or your Android phone. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro with you on this Wednesday, February 15th, up until 1 o'clock today. Let's reset the scene with today's poll question. See if things have shifted around from earlier in the program uh, when we were discussing here, KDOS1060.com for the poll question. Do you approve of the hiring of the Cardinals' new head coach, Jonathan Gannon? And it's getting closer once again, but no out in front at 54% of the vote. Yes is sitting at 46%. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier during the sports zone, but I'm a little confused as to why the Cardinals have decided we're going to have the introductory press conference on a Thursday. That uh, the same Thursday that Kevin Durant's going to be introduced as the Suns' uh, you know, new acquisition. I know it's four hours apart, and media members, I guess, that want to go to the both can go to both and whatever, but Seemed like they could have picked a better day. Well, you just have to write your story in a world uh, record amount of time, and then yeah. you can get over to downtown for Kevin Durant. Yes. I, I mean, it just, you know, seemed like you know they hired him yesterday. So what's going on today? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know on that front. Uh, he was here Monday. He was here all last week. He was here Monday and Tuesday because he interviewed with them both days, right? So let's do it on Wednesday. Picking okay. up the family, picking up the kids. I'm sure there's a good reason, but I'm just saying it, it seems to be just the not the most opportune time to get the most uh, you know most out of your your bang for your buck if you're the Cardinals here. We'll get to this question around 12:30. Answer it here on today's program. We'll flip this over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Bob had caught up with David Cobb, CBSSports.com, for a college hoops conversation. And if you missed that, you can podcast over at KDOS 1060.com. But who is the best team in college basketball? We have uh, Alabama continuing to be out in front here at 43.8 percent of the vote. Purdue trailing at 25 percent, and we finally busted out of a tie. UCLA now in third at 18.8% of the vote. Kansas sitting at 12.5%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Yeah, and I mentioned this earlier in the introduction of the pipeline during the sports zone. My apologies to Houston, but I just don't believe in them yet. Maybe I'll change my mind, uh, but I don't think uh, if they played these other teams, in fact, Alabama won at Houston in November, December, one of those dates, one of those months, that when uh, in Alabama was even younger then than it is now. At least they've got the freshmen have some experience now. But I'm not quite buying Houston, so I didn't put them in there. 
We'll answer that question around 1230 today. Your calls, if you'd like to join 602-260-1060 around 1215 today. The Phoenix Suns, they topped the Kings yesterday, the surprising Kings. They've been continuing to hang around to top, uh, at least in the top half of the West. The Kings 120 to 109 victory for the Suns last night. De'Aaron Fox dropped 35 points. DeMontis Sabonis, 24 points and 15 rebounds. But Kevin Durant in the building. Not playing, but the Kevin Durant energy was high. And Devin Booker, 32 points. DeAndre Ayton, 29 points, 11 rebounds. Chris Paul, 17 points and 19 assists. Only two off his career high. I was surprised that 21 is his career high. I mean, he's been playing a long time, and he's got a lot of assists. So, And he's playing on some good teams. Did you think it would be higher than 21? Yeah. I was surprised. I thought it would be, you know, Better than that, I figured mid-20s or something. So I was surprised at that. Uh, as far as this Durant thing, I know I got kind of sick watching the, you know, listening to the coverage that, uh, uh, you know, they, they didn't. I don't think Durant's presence had a whole lot to do with this, but everybody seemed to think, oh, Durant's there, so they played a great game. Uh, they played a great game for a couple of reasons. One, the Kings, they've got some really good offensive players, some of which you mentioned there. Uh, they don't guard people very well. And I've seen the Kings only twice this year, both games against the Suns. And they don't guard people at all uh, for the most part. Uh, so I think that uh, whether Durant's there or not, Durant was probably mad he didn't play because he would have got 50. Uh, so maybe that. But uh you know, they had, they, they had a lot of they played. That was a, it was an entertaining game, and I'm yeah. You know, most Kings games, I'm guessing, are because they can score and they don't guard people. Uh, to your point about Kevin Durant here, he's going to miss some more games. It has been since January fifth, or I'm sorry, January twelfth, since he last played with a right knee MCL sprain. It's being reported that he will t- return after the All Star break. Now that's pretty ambiguous because after the all-star break is february 24th when they're at home against the thunder so it could mean then or it could mean later on in march he makes his return Uh, so we'll have to wait to see on that front in terms of uh, kd's health i imagine that there's no reason to rush him back you make this trade because you're going all in this year so there's no reason to put him in a position to just re-injure himself Totally agree. I know the Suns, uh, I assume the Suns are the ones who put out this video of him working out. Uh, he really wasn't working out. He just took a few shots. Uh, certainly not practicing in any kind of uh, you know, four-on-four setting. Maybe they, maybe he did, and they just didn't use that. Four-on-four, five-on-five, whatever. Uh, and uh, I think you have a good point. And, you know, the way that they – I don't want to say that they rushed Booker back the first time, but obviously he played on Christmas night and played four minutes. And then last night was the first game that Booker had played at home in 2023 uh, because they had, had him play that game on Christmas night. Uh, I mentioned this. I skipped right over him. TJ Warren, he made his return to yeah. Phoenix last night, seven minutes and five points. Yeah, he's a scorer, and uh, when he got drafted out of NC State, I loved that pick for the Suns. He was a—he uh, was like the ACC Player of the Year uh, when he was his final year at NC State, and that conference was really good then still. Not right now, but it was really good then. And for him on a team that didn't win the championship to be the conference player of the year, that's saying something. 
and he he knows how to score points so i'm sure he's going to have some kind of a uh, expanded role here uh, you know they certainly have some bench issues even though they've out by the way I just noticed they've officially signed Terrence Ross mm-hmm. who we talked about a little bit yesterday uh, who's got you know 700 and some career games and uh, can make some threes and I think he could actually fill a void I'm not sure how many minutes you want him playing per game because uh, he's not great at other areas or he wouldn't be available uh, if he were great in the you know, all-around areas. But, yeah, he, he's definitely somebody that should be in their rotation. Uh, for the Suns, they will wrap things up before the All-Star break on Thursday night at home facing the Clippers. That's an 8 p.m. on TNT uh, game for the Phoenix Suns. Let's con- let, let me let me stop real quick here. This is a really big couple of games here for the Suns. I mean, they're chasing the Kings, and they're only a couple games behind them now after they won last night. And then they're they're one game ahead, loss column wise, of the Clippers, who are here tomorrow night. So those are the teams that are third, fourth, and fifth right now in the Western Conference standings. Let's continue our college hoops conversation from hour number one. We had mentioned the double overtime victory last night for Providence over Creighton, ninety-four to eighty-six. Uh, how about Oklahoma beating Kansas State, seventy-nine to sixty-five last night? Is this maybe just a situation where Kansas State is kind of running out of gas here? Maybe. Uh, yeah, they were kind of uh, you know one of the talks of the league. Now they're also in a rough conference, but you know Oklahoma. Uh, until last night, uh, their claim to fame was well, still their claim to fame as they beat the run Alabama, ran Alabama off the floor uh, a couple of Saturdays ago in the uh, Big 12 and SEC Challenge. But you know, Kansas, Kansas State, I believe they've lost either three in a row or three out of four, or they've definitely uh, struggled here of late. And you know, they've got two really good players. And other than that, I'm not sure exactly how many really good players they have. Uh, and also the second time around in conference play is always rough no matter who you are in whatever conference you're in because there's more of a, you know, teams are obviously more familiar with them the second time you play them. And it's a you know, tr- total double round robin because uh, you know, you know, the, the Big 12 has 10 teams, of course. So you know, basically it's an 18-game conference schedule and you play everybody twice. So that's probably even more tougher. Plus, it's the best conference in college basketball. So um, I'm – kind of uh, reluctant to just kind of uh, say that we've seen the best of Kansas State this year because they could certainly make a you know kind of regroup and make a run here Uh, but um, they definitely are not playing their best ball right now. Kansas beat Oklahoma State 87 to 76. Kansas is now winners of five of their last six after they lost three in a row. All right, so if we're, we're not ready yet to write Kansas State off, is that kind of the same conversation here for his – is it too good to be true to believe that Kansas has hit their stride now? No, I think it's uh, accurate to believe that. You know, they're tied now with Texas and Baylor atop the conference standings. I like all three of those teams a lot. I like TCU a lot if Miles is playing. We went through that a little earlier uh, so, uh, but uh, the fact that Kansas last night, Oklahoma State's a really good defensive team, one of the best defensive teams in the country, and Kansas at Oklahoma State last night scored 87 points and shot 66% from the field in the second half and pulled away from them in that game. There was really no doubt at any point in this game who was going to win. Syracuse beating NC State 75-72. to uh, What do we make of the ACC in college basketball? 
I'm not sure. Uh, I, I was starting to think NC State might be okay, and then I watched this game last night. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Syracuse is not going to win it. You know, they're not even going to make the NCAA tournament as of right now. Uh, you know, Bayheim has teams that have made these incredible runs to get in the tournament. They've been the last team in the tournament a couple of times or close to it and then, like, gone to the Sweet 16 somehow or the Elite Eight even one year. So maybe I'm underestimating Syracuse and their recuperative powers, uh, but they're not good. So I really hadn't paid much attention to the NC State until, like, last weekend, and then I thought, okay, maybe they're pretty good. And I watched them last night as closely as I have all year, and I went, okay, kind of wasted my time on this. Uh, as far as the ACC is concerned, I like Miami. Uh, they can score. Uh, and they had a – basically with a lot of the same players, they had a run in, I think, to the Elite Eight last year. It was a Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. They're kind of out of nowhere, and uh, like I said, they got a lot of the same dudes, and they can score points, and they run up and down, and you know, Carolina and Duke, who knows what's going on there. Uh, right now, I would assume both are certainly at, at best they're on the bubble, and probably there's some projections out there that don't have them in the tournament. So we'll see what happens with them. When's the well? Nah, I'm gonna have to make research for myself again. Uh, when was the last time that both Duke and North Carolina didn't make the tournament? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, you know, they played like a couple Saturdays ago, and it had been like twice, twice in the last three years uh, that they you know were not ranked. And then before that, it was like 40 years since they were not unranked. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> So um, maybe they didn't make it three years ago uh, if they you know, if they weren't ranked a couple of weeks, couple of years ago. But I, that I don't recall. I, Duke must have made Duke had to make the tournament three years ago, right? I assume. Uh, but uh, I don't know. And uh, uh, Duke's got a ton of freshmen. Carolina has no excuse. They've got you know, basically the same team minus one guy uh, that went to the championship game last year, and they are zero and nine against quad one opponents this year that's almost impossible first it's you don't have many teams that have played nine quad one games they've lost them all that's impressive to do uh tonight including the miami on monday night they lost in chapel hill in that game and they were clearly the inferior team the current number one Alabama uh, yeah. men's basketball team is at number 10 Tennessee, uh, at least this morning. I don't know what it is as of right now, but Alabama was actually an underdog in this game. They are. Uh, after getting blown off the court by Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, 93-69, to 69, uh, they have now won four in a row in very convincing fashion. Meanwhile, Tennessee has lost three of their last four games. They've lost the last two games at the buzzer. Uh, they lost to Vanderbilt, uh, state rival. That was, uh, and that was just a fluky thing. There was all kinds of weird things that had to happen at the end of this game, that game. And then they actually had a huge lead against Missouri uh, on Saturday, and then they came back and took the lead, and then lost at the buzzer again. Uh, Tennessee has some serious problems scoring points in uh, many games. Uh, so you know, they play really good defense. The metrics people love them. Uh, so they're going to get all kinds of acclaim and so forth. Last I saw, like Alabama was like a two point, two and a half point favorite. That seems just to be kind of nuts. Uh, Alabama has lost a game in the conference. You know, you decide if you're going to bet against uh, 
uh, if you're going to bet, you know, if you're going to be on Alabama, I guess you're betting you betting that uh, you know, Tennessee is going to lose three straight. I don't know if they're. I don't know. I'm not going to. I have no interest in betting on this game, but I'm going to watch it and try to learn something. Even though I think I kind of know that Tennessee is really good on defense and their offense is suspect, and Alabama has a uh, excellent combination of experienced guard play and uh, the best freshman class maybe in college basketball. Uh, that's at 5 p.m. tonight on ESPN2. Number 16, Xavier, is at number 11, Marquette. That's 5 p.m. tonight on CBS Sports Network. Uh, kind of similarly here with the, the Big East, um, is anyone separating themselves? Well, I think there's a big separation between, like, the top four or five teams and then everybody else is just kind of in the conference. So, you know, thanks for participating. Drive home safely. Uh, if you're Seton Hall or Georgetown or Villanova, uh, none of those teams are going to be at Georgetown so bad that Patrick Ewing is going to get fired at the end of the season. And in fact, if you know if you know, he wasn't a legacy, I'm sure I think he probably would have been fired at the end of last year or during this season. Uh, they are horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, Xavier's shorthanded, unfortunately. Fremantle's out until probably March, and uh, they've got a couple other players that are, I guess, questionable for tonight's game. And that, in fact, Marquette's like up to a six-point favorite in this game tonight. Marquette's a team I don't quite understand. Um, they win. I watch them play, and I kind of go, "How did they win that game?" And then you watch the next game they play, and you go, "How did they win that game?" And then I watched him play Providence a couple of weeks ago, and they got killed. So I'm not real sure what to think of Marquette. And, uh, um, you know, I got, I guess, another month or so to try to figure out Marquette because they're obviously going to be in the NCAA tournament. And finally, number two, 22, TCU at number 19, Iowa State tonight. TCU lost four of their last five. I know Mike Miles hasn't been part of the team with an injury, but all, is he? All those games without him. They're one and four without him. Is he coming back tonight? Maybe. Uh, something we talked about with David Cobb. and But we also thought he might come back last Saturday. Uh, he's practiced, and they say he's good. And uh, I think they're just being cautious. They're obviously going to be in the tournament. Uh, and uh, to repeat, I mentioned earlier, if he comes back or I have some kind of inkling he's going to be back, one of my weekend uh, – you know, uh, you know, on the to-do list for the weekend uh, is trying to figure out, okay, we're, we're, who has the best number for TCU to win the national championship? And I might put a shekel or two on that. Uh, that's all coming up uh, here on uh, the college basketball hoops tonight. But your yeah, phone... Time out. T- Iowa State's like a five-point favorite in this game now. They were like three and a half and four earlier. So I'm guessing maybe Miles isn't playing. At least the market doesn't think he's playing. Your phone calls if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls on the other side of the break, 602-260-1060. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals have a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon. They signed him to a five-year contract. It was announced officially yesterday. His press conference will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. We have the poll questions. Do you agree with the hiring? Do you approve of the hiring of Jonathan Gannon for the Arizona Cardinals? If your answer is yes, let us know why. If your answer is no, let us know why. 602-260-1060. We'll get to your calls on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and online at kdos1060.com. Have you downloaded the KDOS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude. 
Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Download the app, Apple users, Android users, KDOS 1060 to listen to us wherever and whenever on your phone. It is Wednesday. It is February 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So obviously we know... The Arizona Cardinals have a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon. He's a defensive-minded head coach here. So I think it's important for what's going to happen moving forward with the offensive side of the ball. And I'll be curious to see what kind of names start to, to circulate out as to what direction they're going to go because the questions here are, uh, you know, how do you tap into Kyler Murray's potential? You have the big contract for him, so he's going to be your guy once he returns from rehabbing his ACL injury. I do know that Albert Breer had reported a few days ago, even before Jonathan Gannon officially had the head coaching job, uh, a name to watch, according to Breer, was Browns quarterback coach Drew Petzing. Uh, Drew and Jonathan Gannon were apparently together in their time in Minnesota. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with Drew. Um I would assume that part of the interview process, whether it be the Monty part, uh, Austin Ford or Michael Bidwell or both, is uh, if I'm going to hire you as the head coach, what is your plan for your offensive staff? Absolutely. You have to have a plan moving forward. You have to kind of understand, uh, you know, what direction you want to take it. I'm sure there were conversations as well. What does the offense look like with a DeAndre Hopkins? What does the offense look like without a DeAndre Hopkins? And I'm sure the questions were, how do you tap into uh, getting the most out of Kyler Murray and to start putting up some points in, in the National Football League? Can we get some odds whether DeAndre Hopkins is on this team or not next year? I'd like to bet the, the no on that. I think that there's almost no chance he'll be on this team next year. Oh, maybe that's a minus 1,000 then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a heavy favorite that he's not on this team next year. Uh, sticking with the Eagles theme here where they're going to have to find uh, and fill offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator roles because offensive coordinator Shane Steichen is officially the head coach in Indianapolis and he received a six-year deal and it continues for an offensive-minded head coach in Shane Steichen who's going to be the quarterback of the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. Good luck. Uh, I mean, they, as we mentioned with, uh, as Eric mentioned earlier in the show, I asked him about Steichen and, and uh, yeah, how can he, uh, how quickly can he turn around the Colts? And, you know, and, and I thought that uh, Eric had an excellent answer that, you know, the second that, uh, you know, Andrew Luck walked off the practice field, which was like literally a week after I bet the Colts to win the Super Bowl, by the way, when I went to Vegas uh, for my usual, you know, back in those days, my annuals. Trek, uh, trek to Vegas to bet some futures. Literally, I'm sitting in my best friend's chair like a week later, and I'm reading. I get a text alert that Andrew Luck is retired. You know what? I just bet all the. Yeah, I just invested in the Colts. Uh, so that started there. Obviously, they went through the Rivers thing, and and you know uh, Matt Ryan and whoever else I'm forgetting here, the Sam Ellinger and Carson Wentz. It's a disaster. 
And I don't think anybody in their current roster, at least that played this past year, is is it anybody in that group the part of the future? No. As far as the Colts, so they got to draft somebody, I guess, or sign Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to lead into my next thing. Derek Carr is officially a free agent. The Raiders avoid the $40 million guarantee, but because they had to cut him, they get nothing in return for his nine years of contributions to the Raiders. Yeah, and I don't, do they care really seriously? I don't maybe What would they have gotten? I don't know. If, uh, certainly... I can't imagine you would have gotten a whole lot. I mean, if you're going to you know, trade him somewhere and they, the other team takes on the $40 million contract, what are you going to give up in return at that point? Not much. Uh, but uh, it seems like uh, you know the Saints and the Jets seem to be the two teams I've heard mentioned most. You heard anybody else mention? Those seem to be the only two I've really heard you know, mentioned with some kind of a uh, uh, I don't even know if conviction is the right word or not, but they mentioned it as possibilities. That's the only two I've heard as well. Uh, and I know that he had a meeting with the Saints, and then he dis- he he said that he yeah. was not going to be involved in a trade. But it was very clear, at least in the reports that I saw, that that didn't mean the Saints were out of the equation, though. Right. And Dennis Allen was obviously a head coach, and he's got a background with Carr. So, yeah, they know each other. Absolutely. Um, the Ravens, we also touched on this a little bit with Eric Edholm. The Ravens hired Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator. Munkin is now back in the NFL after two national titles with Georgia. I'm just curious as to whether or not this is favorable for Lamar Jackson or uh, if this is a sign of a new direction. I have no idea. I'm guessing, d- d- does anybody have an idea? Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic for a change here. I, I, it's a Lamar Jackson thing. So does anybody really know anything about Lamar Jackson at this point? Uh, seems to be uh, an odd duck. His, uh, you know, I've heard that term before. I think that qualifies here. For Lamar Jackson, or I guess I should say for the Ravens, if they have to move on from Lamar Jackson, you know, th- that changes the dynamics of this whole team because they have really shifted everything around to fit what Lamar does. So now you're kind of starting over from scratch, but it, I guess you have kind of a, a clean slate to be able to do that with a new offensive coordinator. True. You know, the, this would be costly, but it seems like a lot of people believe that they're just going to franchise Lamar Jackson. Yes, it would be frank. for a year. Would be so, very costly. Yeah, but it's better than giving him, you know, the Deshaun Watson contract, right? Uh, yeah, and, and I do think which he apparently wants that, uh, that kind of money. I I do think that the Deshaun Watson contract and how he performed probably hurt players who want the same thing and it probably helped uh, teams and organizations to say no, we're not doing something like this. Agreed, but I think there are so many different things going on with Jackson. Excuse me, with Watson, obviously, you know the off the field situation, and I don't think it's. I've never been the biggest Deshaun Watson fan, even when things were going well in tech, the Texans before everything else, you know, before the stuff hit the fan. There is that you know. I don't think it's real fair to you know, basically judge him on this past year. Yeah, you know, he had the what the preseason fiasco, and then he didn't play for like what two months, three months, what you know, till week eleven, I think it was, and then that was just kind of a circus. And by that time, the Brown season had kind of gone to hell anyway. Uh, and the Panthers have hired Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant. Yeah. This is not surprising. He actually, I believe he lives in Charlotte. I mean, he has a background at Wake Forest and so forth. So 
uh, I think that this can only be a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, Caldwell and you know, Frank Reich, I'm sure, appreciates the fact that he is another guy on the staff, that he has head coaching experience in the NFL and some successful head coaching experience. And uh, you know, actually, of all the teams other than the Broncos hiring Sean Payton, uh, yeah, I think that the Reich and uh, – I'm not the biggest fan, obviously, over the years. Uh, but the the Reich-Caldwell combination, I think that uh, they've done a really good job there. Uh, Caldwell has some background in the defense, too, and they've got some very good defensive players there. Uh, so I, I kind of like what the Panthers are doing, and plus the rest of this division. <laughs> Anybody any good at all? Certainly nobody was any good last year, including the Buccaneers with Brady. And they are still looking for an offensive coordinator. Uh, the Saints have decisions at quarterback. We oh, I, I forgot about that. Why haven't this fucking buck? Who they even interviewed in camp in Tampa? I don't even have. Clue, didn't clue they interview Munkin and he said no? Well, he was there before. Remember, he was the Munkin was there with Dirk Cutter when Cutter was the head coach, uh, and uh, actually he was a hard knocks guy. He was hard knocks. I wouldn't say he was a star. Hard knocks. Uh, but he was on the so he'd been there before. So I don't know if he wanted to go back or not. But maybe uh, I'm getting my years mixed up there. Yeah, he didn't have Jameis. He had Jameis, so he was going to save Jameis, and he didn't save Jameis. No, but Jameis needed to get the eye surgery, and then he was all fixed. That's a good point. I mean, it really helps if you can you know decipher the color of the opposing jerseys or your own jerseys. Poll question time on the other side of the break. The KDOS1060.com poll question regards to Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. The Twitter poll question, college hoops related at KDOSAM1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today right here on KDOSAM1060. James Out West featuring Ryan Brooks brings NFL, NBA, and local sports talk to you Monday nights at 7 here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com. Well, 40 here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOSN60.com. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today. As we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and it's time we toss it on over to the poll questions. KDOS1060.com is first up. The question here, do you approve of the hiring of the Cardinals' new head coach, Jonathan Gannon? Okay, I'm going to keep this one brief because I'm going to probably ramble a little bit for the uh, Twitter poll question. So I'm going to say no. Um, And... I would probably be saying no, even if uh, the Eagles had won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wonder what uh, did something go wrong with Anna Rumo? I understand, as you mentioned, the Albert Breer report that Austin Ford had uh, talked to with the uh, with you know, Gannon before, etc. But if I had a choice between the two guys, uh, Anna Rumo, I think has done more. With less, even though, as I mentioned earlier in the week, that I think the the Bengals, their defense, uh, their talent level is kind of uh, you know shortchanged a little bit. But uh, if I had a choice between the two defensive coordinators, uh, you know, Anna Rumo would have been my choice. So I'm not sure if he maybe what you know whether it was just an Austin Ford from being familiar with Gannon or not, or whether. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to me if maybe they even Anna Rumo just said, okay, I'm stepping away, or he got an idea that he wasn't going to get the head coaching job and he just kind of you know, decided to bow out or however that works. 
But uh, of those two defensive coordinators who were supposedly amongst the final candidates, I uh, would have preferred they hire Ian Rumo. I agree. I would have preferred if he was still in the running uh, for them to go in that direction. For me, it's really hard to get Super Bowl 57 out of my head uh, with the lack of adjustments that were were made and just uh, how that whole thing unfolded. I know that that may be really, really unfair to Jonathan Gannon uh, because, you know, there's a much larger body of work at play for him. I do have questions, though, about for me, was he just really given an opportunity to coach a defense that was just really talented? Uh, You know, as we talked about with some of the free agency acquisitions, the homegrown talent that he was stepping into. So I just kind of wonder the X's and the O's and then just the overall intangibles that you need to be a head coach. He's 40 years old. He has been in the league for 15 years with the NFL. So that part is at least different from Cliff Kingsbury coming in and being a younger head coach. Uh, Cliff previously not having NFL experience as a coach, whereas uh, Jonathan Gannon has 15 years all with the NFL there. So that is at least a little bit different. So um, I, I just, if those were the two choices, Lou or Jonathan, I would have preferred Lou for some of the similar things that you said. I think he's really maximized uh, what he can out of that Bengals defense. And maybe for for me, uh, it's unfair to put a lot of what I'm thinking about it on Super Bowl 57. I agree with that. But I also think we're being fair uh, here in our assessment. So uh, I think that's a good thing too that we're you know I think we're being fair and objective about this. The masses are on the no side of things, and it's now up to fifty five percent of the vote. Yes, sitting at forty five percent. So we've come quite a ways from the start of the program when it was one hundred percent of the vote on the no side, and now we're uh, pretty close here. But no, continuing to lead the way at fifty five percent of the vote. That's I'm sure it'll skyrocket back up now since they know our answers. Oh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, as Twitter uploads here. Who is the best team in college basketball? The choices, Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, UCLA. So for me, uh, Purdue, no. They've now lost two of the last three. When we previously had the questions about whether or not when they were undefeated and the previous poll question was about whether or not they would go on to win the NCAA tournament, I was on the no side of that. Some just overall questions about Purdue in general. So they're a no for me. Uh, my questions about Kansas, are they starting to figure it out now at the right time? They've won six in a row. Obviously, Bill Self is a very good coach, so trying to getting things in order for that push in when it matters most that maybe they didn't need that it just needed some time to gel and figure itself all out so I think they're a team that you absolutely have to continue to monitor UCLA as well they had a rough stretch there against U of A and USC losing both of those games but then they've bounced back to win four in a row in dominating fashion but for me it's more or less Alabama and their consistency I know we touched on it a little bit the blowout against Oklahoma and the game before that where they barely won, I'm going to chalk that up to at that current moment, there was a lot going on in that program that was off the court issues. You mentioned how many young players they have. That's a lot to digest. That's a lot to kind of figure out and to be able to compartmentalize. So I'm going to say, you know what? Those two are outliers here, and for the most part, Alabama has shown more consistency. So as it is right now, I'm good with Alabama being the best in college hoops. I am too. 
uh, I will say that uh, you know these four teams. Uh, I don't think Purdue. I'm not buying Purdue in the NCAA tournament, just partly because I've been burned historically, <laughs> whether it be Gene Cady or Matt Painter, which is kind of the same thing because Painter played for Cady back in the day. Uh, that they have not exactly had NCAA tournament success, so maybe I'm just uh, I should eliminate that from my thought process. But Alabama, Kansas, and UCLA. I think all three of these teams are playing really well, and Bailey returning from UCLA really changes their team a lot because it gives them a, a much-needed offensive threat as long as Bailey can stay healthy. And he got kind of, uh, you know, briefly retweaked the ankle injury that he had. He missed a lot of time, tons of time. Uh, he had a problem in that Oregon game. He ended up finishing the Oregon game and came back, though. But So those three teams, I like, I like all three of those teams. Uh, Alabama here. I've got a little thumbnail sketch of a lot of these teams at this point and today kind of getting ready for the NCAA tournament. And uh, just a couple of things I have for Alabama is the fact that, uh, first up, I mentioned their freshman class. Over 50% of their scoring comes from their freshman class, and that includes Brandon Miller, uh, who leads the SEC in scoring. He's the best freshman in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if he were the second pick of the NBA draft because there seems to be zero chance he's going back to Alabama after this year. But in addition to those freshmen, they have the two senior guards. Uh, Sears actually played in the MAC at Ohio U till this year. It was a transfer. He led the MAC in scoring, and the MAC has some very good basketball. Uh, so it's not like like he was at a mid-major, not good conference. And then uh, Quinterly uh, originally was supposed to go to the U of A, and part of the NCAA investigation involving all the problems at the U of A with Miller and everybody else, you know, Quinterly, he left. Uh, he never went to the U of A, but he was originally supposed to go to the U of A. And here we are 100 years later, and he's still playing college basketball. And uh, he's one of, those fresh, one of those seniors that uh, makes those freshmen better. The thing that's most impressive to me about Alabama – is that they're with all these freshmen, they're amongst the defensive efficiency leaders in the country, and that almost never happens when you've got a freshman-oriented team that plays really well at the defensive end. Sometimes they foul too often. That might be their biggest liability, in fact. But they're undefeated in the SEC. They're a big, un well, not big underdog. They're a four or five-point underdog tonight, uh, depending on which line you're looking at. Uh, at Tennessee, and uh, yeah, so I think that they're the best team right now. If they lose tonight, maybe we'll change our <laughs> mind tomorrow. But yeah, we've had this you know, this question some shape or form three or four different times this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have this question some shape or form again a couple of times before the NCAA tournament begins, or even during the tournament. Uh, Alabama continues to be out in front at 43.8% of the vote. UCLA sitting at 18.8%. Kansas, 12.5%. And Purdue, uh, well, I've, I've messed this up. Alabama, 43.8% of the vote. Purdue, 25% of the vote. UCLA, 18.8%. And Kansas at 12.5% of the vote. That's on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. That's, that's my fault. We have too many options in there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, goodness. I even have my glasses on so that's that's not great but well, okay well that's your problem yes it is it is my problem uh we'll get into the final segment of extra point on the other side of the break now i thought this was interesting 
Uh, after the report from Andrew Marshawn about how there was an intervention with Tony Romo, CBS Sports has been making quite a concerted effort to try to make sure it's known that there was no intervention. Now you have Sean McManus, Sean McManus, the CBS Sports chairman, refuting the claims by Andrew Marshawn in a sit-down interview. Uh, he insinuated that it's being overplayed, but then adds that we can all get better. So that's Fox needs, Fox needs to do that with Bradshaw. <laughs> Whew, yeah, I obviously didn't get to see that live. Saw some clips later. That was a rough celebration. We wrap it up on the other side. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. segment of today's Extra Point on this Wednesday, February 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. But Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip in the cracks. Also our guest, plural, today around college basketball, David Cobb of CBSSports.com. We covered a uh, Everything from the Pac-12, and then we got into uh, you know some other good some good conferences. Uh, the Pac-12 right now might be down to two teams after USC lost and got swept at o- the Oregon schools last week. Also, uh, we talked NFL, including the Cardinals uh, hiring uh, you know the new head coach uh, Jonathan know, Gannon. John, Mr. Jonathan Gannon here. Got my little cheat sheet here, but I couldn't find my cheat sheet. Uh, so Gannon's the man. I got to remember his name, don't I? Uh, so I've got the Austin Fort thing figured out. That took me a day or two. So the new hierarchy here, I'm so confused. I wish anyway, Jonathan Gannon played quarterback because then you could call him Gannon the Cannon. Oh, there we go. Well, Rich Gannon was the MVP, right, one year? Yeah, he was. I think he was the MVP. So, yeah, so there you go. And he, he's actually very good on television, by the way, Mr. Gannon is. Uh, so there you go. So Eric at home joined us from NFL Media, and we uh, – Kicked around some cardinal stuff and some draft stuff, cardinals and non-draft cardinals and whatever, lots of stuff. Uh, sound day courtesy of the Arizona Cardinals, ESPN2, Bally Sports Arizona, the Denver Broncos, NBC, uh, FS1, also ESPN, and uh, special thanks as always to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Roosterbeerstein from 5 to 6. And Top of the Valley with Jeff Munn and Coach A at 7 o'clock for ASU Women's Basketball Conversation. Super Bowl 57, there were a lot of expectations uh, in terms of what the viewership numbers were going to be and hoping for all sorts of records to be broken. They fell just short of the most watched, but they did hit a six-year high with 113 million viewers. It became uh, the second most watched program in Fox Sports history. The halftime show drew an average of 118.7 million viewers across Fox, Fox Deportes, and streaming platforms. And that became the most watched halftime show since Katy Perry in 2015. When it comes to the top markets, 
Who do you think won, Kansas City or Philadelphia? I'm going to say Philadelphia because there's more people to live in Philadelphia. Well, I guess the Kansas City craze was in effect. The top market was actually Kansas City. Okay. Maybe Philadelphia I'm wrong about the number two. Thing. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong about that, but I think more people live in Philadelphia than Kansas City. Or more Philly fans were in the stadium, so. That's a good point. Because <laughs> it did seem like 60 40. Um, it sure seemed like that. I was listening, you know, watching on TV. It's just the, uh, the, the, the introduction. They don't introduce the players, but, you know, when the teams come running out in the mm-hmm. field, sure seemed like at that point there was, I thought, a much bigger crowd response for the Eagles than there was the Chiefs. Absolutely, uh, which maybe seems why kind of the building and the air went out of it when that defensive uh, DPI was called because there were more Philly fans. Uh, num- number three in the market was Cincinnati. Number four, Detroit. But well, they, they should have been protesting and not watching. <laughs> I know, but they, they guess Cincinnati. People were saying they were hate watching. Um, Did they think they were actually playing? <laughs> <laughs> number five was Pittsburgh. Six, Milwaukee. Seven, Norfolk. Eight, Charlotte, nine, Minneapolis, and ten, St. Louis. Okay, St. Louis. They <laughs> had a team for X number of years. I can't remember when they, whenever they left. It's been a while. They're watching in, uh, I don't know, maybe they're hate watching too, or maybe they're just wishing that either. the team would come back. They're just happy that pitchers and catchers report this week for the Cardinals. Uh, yes. St. Louis baseball Cardinals. We didn't get that in, but pitchers and catchers did report today for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm sure we'll have plenty more in baseball because you're expected to be joined by Matt Snyder tomorrow in the Yahoo. 10 o'clock hour. All right. Power rankings. Never too early. <laughs> That'll do it for today's edition of Extra Point on this Wednesday, February 15th. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro. Have yourselves a fantastic day. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp gets things started tomorrow at 10 a.m.